The first reading is from Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they needed. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. This is week two of our sermon series on our new mission statement, which is we worship God, love our neighbors, create community, follow Jesus, and steward our resources. Uh, last week, uh, we've been looking at each, we're gonna, each week we'll look at one of these actions, but last week we looked at the action of loving our neighbors, and we talked about how when we go out into the world and we love our neighbors, we get to meet and experience Jesus as we go about doing work. This week, we're going to turn our attention to our action about creating community and our call to go about and to do that work here at Holy Comforter. We want to spend our time, our money, our energy doing that work of creating community with one another. But before we can do that work, it's important that we kind of clarify what we mean when we talk about community and what that might look like for us here. And our reading from Acts this morning gives us a beautiful picture of community. And here's the situation that kind of leads up to that reading that we had this morning at the end of Acts 2. But if you look at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, you'll find the disciples huddled together up in the room, some praying and waiting upon the Spirit of God to come and dwell with them. And then, as they're praying, the Spirit of God shows up one day, enlivens their hearts and minds and mouths, and they pour out into the streets. And they began to go around telling other people about Jesus and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And a big portion of Acts chapter 2 is the sermon that Peter preaches to the gathered people there in Jerusalem. And, and Peter shares with them the good news about Jesus with all the people that are gathered there. And then as Peter gets done towards the end of his sermon, uh, the people respond like any preacher wants the people to respond. The people say to Peter, what do we do now, right? Tell us what we need to do next. We've heard your words, now And Peter says, repent, be baptized, receive the forgiveness of your sins, be and you will receive the Holy Spirit into your life. And lots of people respond, and they get baptized, and they go out, and they begin to live as Christians. And then we get our reading that we read from Acts chapter 2 this morning. This is a little summary of what their life looked like as they began to try to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus together and how they were going to do things. And our reading says, if you'll see the phrase day by day appears several times there in that reading, right? This is, this is just kind of, this is what they did day in and day out. They spent time together. They ate together. They shared their lives with one another. Everybody brought all their money and possessions, and they kind of held it all in common so that everybody could be taken care of in the community. These people were deeply connected with one another, and they were joining their lives together and entwining themselves up in with one another. And it's a wonderful picture of sharing and being together. It's a wonderful picture of community. And I find it very aspirational for us here at Holy Comfort, right? This is what we're trying to do, and hopefully we can bring about amongst our community, that we're living like these Christians did in Acts 2. 
So how might we create that kind of community that these early Christians experienced? And what might be helpful for us to think about is what's the way, what causes problems and prevents us from entering into this kind of community? And there's all kinds of things to get in the way of creating community, but one thing in particular I'd like us to think about and consider this morning is, is this, and, it, and it's very subtle, right? This, this way is very easy to miss, um, but it's very nefarious for all kinds of community if we don't pay attention and realize that it's going on. And this is, it gets, causes problems for all kinds of communities, whether you're looking at a family or a group of friends or a nation or a church. It just prevents community from happening. It becomes a problem. And that problem is this, self-justification. Self-justification destroys community. Self-justification is rooted in our desire and need to prove our worth to others and to ourselves. To, to show that we matter, to show that, hey, we are worthwhile, that we count. Self-justification is a process by which we create and produce our own worth. And the way it works is that we create this criteria by which we are going to judge our worth. And the criteria is all kinds of things we look to. It might be based on personality traits or physical characteristics or moral values or social status, income levels, parenting skills, education achievements, the cleanliness of our homes, how well kept our yards are, the kind of music someone listens to, and on and on and on and on, right? It's impossible to list out each and every one of those things. But these are the criteria that we, we lean on and look to to try to judge our own worth. Right? We, we look at these criteria and they, they become the inputs for a formula. And then we begin to do the math and we do the math and we see where we stand. We go through this process of self-justification. And some of, us, some of us, when we do the math, we say, hey, I'm pretty worthwhile. Look, I, I hit these marks, right? I've, I've checked off these boxes. But I am a worthwhile person. I am worthy because of X, Y, and Z things. Here's the evidence. Other, others of us, when we do the math, who, others of us who may have a more depressive outlook on life, right? we do the math and we say, oh, I don't measure up, right? I'm not worthwhile. I'm not worthy because of X, Y, and Z thing I don't measure up to. But it's this dynamic of self-justification. It's something that we all have to face. It's something we all deal with and engage in. And when we do it, it gets in the way of us having community with one another. How does self-justification hurt community? First of all, the act of self-justification, sharing our needs and weaknesses with one another. Right? We don't want to share those things. We're, we don't want to make those things known because we're trying to generate our worth and our worthiness. We're trying to justify ourselves. And talking about our needs and our weaknesses and our problems and our shortcomings, right, that doesn't help that process. But we can't be in relationship and community with one another if we don't know one another's needs. Love is foundational to relationships. And the only way to love someone is to meet their needs. You have to do a tangible, actual thing that will improve their life. But if you don't know their needs, then you don't know what you can do or say in order to love them, to benefit to them. And if people don't know your needs and your weaknesses and your problems, then it's going to be really hard for them to love and care and take care of you. Self-justification, it gets in the way of community. 
The other thing that happens when we engage in this practice of self-justification is that we get competitive with one another. We think that in order for us to win at this game of self-worth, someone else has to lose. We begin to apply the criteria that we've established to measure the worth of those that are around us. Do you know what she did at work the other day? Do you know what kind of car they drive? Do you know who he voted for? Can you believe that? On and on and on. Diminishing others in order to raise our own profile is rooted in this self-justification dynamic. And this competitiveness destroys community. It prevents relationships from forming. It causes people to be suspicious of one another. Right? It's not good. Self-justification is a scourge on community. So what can we do? What allowed these Christians in Acts chapter 2 to create such a beautiful community? Well, we might think, well, maybe they didn't have to deal with the pressures of self-justification like we had to deal with. Maybe, maybe that concept hadn't been invented yet. Well, that isn't right. All humans have had to deal with this idea of self-justification, even people in the first century Jerusalem. Right? Those people got so competitive with Jesus, they killed him. As human beings, these early Christians had to face self-justification. So what allowed them to, to move beyond that? and to still share and join their lives together. These early Christians made the beautiful community because they believed the good news about Jesus. They believed that they didn't have to play the game of self-justification anymore. They didn't have to spend their time or energy proving their worth to themselves or to the world or to God. They said, because they, they came to see and believe that God had declared to them that they mattered and weren't worthwhile. God said to them, you matter. And they believed that. Not because of anything they had done or said or not done or not said. They just believed that God had told them, you matter and you have worth. They believed that and they came to see that it was true because in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they saw that God had made this truth known to all people. God in love entered creation and lived as one of us and was killed on a cross so that we might have life forever. Jesus rose from the grave so that we might be in community with God forever. Right? That is the evidence that we matter. That is the evidence that we have worth. And the good news of Jesus says there no other criteria is needed for you to have worth. Right? We don't have to do any math. We don't have to do any formulas. We don't have to look for any other kind of criteria out there to decide whether or not we matter or not. How do I know I have worth? Because God died for me. That's way more important and way more valuable than how good of a parent I am or not, or what kind of priest I am or not, or anything else that I'm tempted to look at and try to judge my worth by. We can accept the message that we each have worth and value. These early Christians believed that fundamental truth and stopped playing the game of self-justification. And that freed them up, that freed up enormous amounts of time and energy for them in their lives. Right? They didn't have to spend any time looking the criteria, doing the work, doing any of that kind of stuff. They were just free to be in relationship with one another, to love one another, and to experience community together. They didn't have to go to the community to find their worth. They knew that that came from God and they were free to be in relationship with each other. 
Right? It didn't matter if someone thought that they were too weak or too much in need because they knew their worth came from God. And at any time, competing with each other, trying to find and scale themselves by each other, trying to prove that they do matter and have worth, they no longer had to do those things. Here at Holy Comforter, for us to create community, to fulfill that mission, we have to accept the good news of Jesus. We have to believe that our worth as people has been given to us as a gift from God in Jesus. And so this morning, I invite you, receive that gift, trust Jesus, and leave the game of self-justification far behind.